basically everybody, or at least every notable player in the Columbus Blue Jackets is either injured or struggling. Uh, Evander Kane suffering a scary injury for the Edmonton Oilers. He's going to miss some time. We will talk about that. And we're also going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. A pair of regular season contenders and playoff threats whenever they're in the dance. Lately, they haven't been. They've been mostly first-round exits. But nevertheless, people expect them to be there. And now all of a sudden, in the tight Eastern Conference, they are on the outside looking in at the moment and struggling to score goals and get wins. Will that change for one or both of these teams? Episode 342 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Back when the Columbus Blue Jackets acquired Johnny Gaudreau, extended Patrick Laine, did a bunch of things to improve their roster, even signing Erica Branson, I guess. Uh, we expected that Columbus was going to be a hardworking team, a tough team to play against. What we didn't expect, Brett, was the injury bug to absolutely rock this team to the core. And uh, now it's showing up on the scoreboard, in the standings, and on injured reserve. Yeah, I guess, like, the Devils and the Islanders just gave the injury bug to Columbus. I mean, I guess it makes sense. They're prospering, and the Jackets are just suffering twice as much as they did previously. But it was like, because you could make a case that the reason why the Islanders and the Devils last year weren't, didn't make the playoffs or didn't make a a push was because of all the injuries that they had. And now it's like they moved it to another divisional team here um, in Columbus. Um, Anyways, uh, Columbus, um, yeah, so Wierenski is the big one. Uh, He he separated his shoulder. I guess he's getting shoulder surgery pretty soon. Um, And that means that he's going to be out for the regular season which is obviously a huge blow to this Columbus team. Um, yeah. Also on this, uh, bro- uh, Bogfist um, has a broken foot, four to five weeks. Uh, Blinkenberg, in that same game that Wierenski had a torn shoulder, uh, Blinkenberg yeah, has that, that was Philly, I remember, because yeah. him and Johnny Gaudreau accounted uh, for both of uh, uh, Columbus's goals in that game. And it yeah. looked like things were on the up and up, and... Then the next thing I know is Wierenski's hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, Blankenberg hurt in that same game. Brett, continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ankle, he has an ankle fracture and a high ankle sprain six to eight weeks. It's there. That's cruel, man. Um, also, the famous Good Branson. Uh, he has an upper body injury day to day. And then, so that's just like, you know, so that's five defensemen um, already gone. Uh, forwards are Danforth. Um Shoulder labrum, he's out for the regular season. Uh, Sean Corrali has an upper body injury day-to-day. And Voracek um, it has an upper body injury, and he, he's also indefinite. So the good news is that Boone Jenner, uh, Patrick Laine, and Johnny Gaudreau are still healthy. Uh, of course, you also have uh, Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson making some, um, you know, uh, getting some ice time in the NHL for their development, which is good which is good there, but um, 
but yeah, this is definitely not not great news. We were talking about them last week about like you know just how poor the goaltending has been. Um, and on the bright side, it looks like Corpusalo has been pretty good, um, even still with all like the, he had um, he brought the uh, even though he had like thirty five saves or sorry 30, 31 saves last uh, last night against the Islanders. You did bring yeah, the NHL says forty two of forty six. He stopped last night. I thought I thought yeah. we said that it was it wasn't that. It, maybe that was even strength shots, but. Um, uh, on, on the NHL site, it says he stopped 40 of 45 in that game where we heard that line, Patrick Line soundbite. Then he stopped. Oh, oh I was I was talking about the Islanders game. I wasn't talking about the the game against um, the. Uh, I wasn't talking about that that other game oh, in okay. Finland. I was talking about the Maybe game. It's a different Islanders game. Huh. Okay. Well, well, because yeah. he. Right, right, because I, I was talking about what you're talking about and what you're referring to was the game against Colorado, uh, which was in Finland. And that's where he had 40 saves. Oh, I see what you see. Okay, I'm yeah, looking here. <laughs> okay, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I... Now I feel like I... Because I was just looking at the NHL site, and it said that he had 30 saves. Okay, anyways... Oh. Yeah, Either his NHL profile or the NHL site is incorrect, or yeah, maybe yeah. that's just even strength shots. But either way, he's yeah. facing one too many. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, but the point being is that he's been impressive so far. Um, yes. Even even still, like yeah, he you know he gave up four goals last night against the Islanders, and he gave up five goals against Colorado. Yeah, yeah. but but at the same time, he's he has like forty saves. Um, against these these uh on these teams so it's like it's not like the defense is giving him any help and you can't blame them because Warinsky's out Blinkenberg's out uh Bogfist yeah. is out um and Goodbranson's out uh so um so yeah it's it'll it's it's uh it's in dire straits now for Columbus I um you know I had I had high hope for Columbus when they you know because they had Gaudreau um, in the mix, and I thought, like, okay, maybe there is something there, but, um, yeah, I guess this is just, you know, an injury bug is has already hit the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, they're going to have to deal with this all year, um, and that's going to significantly alter their plans. I guess, on the other hand, though, it's like, if you're going to stink this year, this is the year to do it, um, so it's like, yes, and on top of that, they already have, like, you know, Sillinger, Kent Johnson, uh, they drafted David Yerchek uh, this year. They also drafted, um, who was the other guy that uh, they just drafted? Um, why am I blinking? Mintecha, um, as well. Um, so, like, they have a lot of guys already in the system that are going to be pretty good. Um, but, like, yeah, if you can get Connor Bedard, if you can get... Um, um, Mikoff, or if you can get Fantilli, um, yeah, even better. Uh, that that's you know that that just makes your team that much stronger. Cause like now imagining like Bedard centering, um, lining Gaudreau. That's like you know that, that's that's the dream basically. Um, but uh, but that you know I I think that's just the bright side. Um, but um, but yeah, it's not looking good in Columbus. No, I, I mean, again, uh, 
tough way to start your year, um, and things are looking pretty bleak already. Uh, just taking a look at uh, their uh, contract year guys, you have uh, Igor Chinnikov as a RFA. Uh, same with Matthew Olivier. Same with uh, Marcus Bjork, not Anders, Marcus Bjork, and Jacob yeah. Christensen on the back end, who are probably going to get a decent amount of minutes now that uh, their blue line's been banged up. Uh, yeah. You also have... Uh, Mar- Marcus the... Bjork also scored a goal last night, too. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, Texier is, uh, as we've uh, already said on the show in a previous a episode, ago, yeah. uh, taking the year off to deal with some personal matters there. Um, they they have a promising prospect system, as, as Brett was alluding to. Um, they have their core pieces, uh, Rorensky, Merce Lincolns, even though he's struggling, he's a part of the uh, of the future. Um, they, they have Boone Jenner as their captain. He's looked pretty good, all things considered. Um, so for the most part, they, they have a, a good leadership core to build around and a good young team that I feel is only going to get better. And you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, when they had Mario Lemieux and Paul Coffey, uh, in 1989-90, they missed the playoffs by a couple points. Uh, and what was their reward? Fifth overall, and they got Yermer Yager with that slot, and they turned into uh, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion not too long after that. So uh, sometimes, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, things happen for a reason. And uh, maybe it's uh, may- maybe if you tell Columbus Blue Jackets – you get a top three pick out of this, and that turns into one of Fantilli or Mishkov or Bedard if he f- somehow falls in the draft last minute. Uh, you know, you, you got yourself a, a pretty bright future once again. Uh, the best is yet to, yet to come for this team. It's just going to be a lot of growing pains. They're probably going to say goodbye to Gustav Nyquist, I'd imagine, uh, and his cap it, but you have cap space to build around yep. and improve your team. Um, it's it's just going to be a major roadblock uh, to get through and to learn from, but uh, hopefully this uh, further strengthens the team instead of separates them. And you didn't even mention Goudreau and Line A too, so that's yeah, <laughs> that's even more so. Uh, but yeah, the uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's you know, I think well, I already said what what I already said. So um, yeah, I mean, I think in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, it'll work out for them, especially because this lottery is kind of like, I feel like they're comparing this draft to the 2015 draft. Um, so, um, yeah, so if you're going to suck, it's it's good to suck this, this year. Um, that's like the, the slogan. <laughs> it's good to suck this year. Um, <laughs> as weird as that is to say. Um all right. Uh, the other in other news uh, before we get into the main topics here, um, the Evander Kane um, he had this like scary injury where he was like his like wrist got um, in with like a skate um, and it got like all bloody all over the ice. It was pretty scary. Um, he's going to be out months. Um, due to this injury, and especially with like a wrist injury, I'm not, it's unclear if like he'll ever be the same again because it's like you, it's hard to know if like you know because you as a hockey player you kind of need your wrist so um, so I imagine it's like even if he does recover, um, which which of course he will, but um, but even if he does, it's just like it's it's gonna it might take a while for him to actually be what we expect him to be 
Um, the good news, though, uh, for Edmonton is they have uh, Dylan Holloway um, in the mix, who's a left winger. Um, and so we can see what, like, potentially he'll get more ice time. They also have Zach Hyman as a left winger as well. Um, we can see what uh, Jesse Pugliarvi can do, uh, perhaps. Uh, he's the left winger. Um, I know that uh, Kaliuri Yamamoto is injured, and he's also a right winger primarily, but maybe he turns into a left winger somehow. So um, so they have some options. I know it's like those aren't like great, but um, but I think that that is some, some good news at least from from that sense of like, oh, okay, maybe they have, um, you know, Dylan Holloway has some promising potential, and I, I feel like once they give him some ice time, then we can really see what what he's uh, what he can do, and it's a good opportunity for him. But yeah, of course, you know, you never want to see like even as horrible as Evander Kane is as a person, it's like you never want to see want to see that on the ice. Um, it looked pretty scary. Yeah, and we, we wish uh, Evander Kane all the best in his recovery of from course. that injury. I mean, just obviously a shock to the system because I, I can't even begin to imagine just being on the other side of that. And, yeah. and, and, just, and like, I would imagine, like, it, it, that could turn easily into a life or death situation. Right, yeah. Like, the, the second you see that big gash and blood pouring out, it's just, like, the second is just, like, Oh my God! Is it, am I going to die on the ice here? Right, right. Um, so. It's like, um, well, just just from a human side, it, it can be a pretty scary uh, circumstance as yeah. well to, to go through that. Um, yeah. And also for the Edmonton Oilers, you know, uh, on top of losing, uh, you know, a critical part of their offense, uh, not just a critical part of their offense, you're talking about that goal scoring threat on McDavid's line, uh, as we saw uh, during the half season that he played for the Edmonton Oilers last year. Um, that part is gone for a couple of months now. So now you need to fill that void. And as it is before this Evander Kane injury, the Edmonton Oilers were struggling to play above 500 hockey. A lot of that is to the defense and inconsistent goaltending, mostly on Jack Campbell. Uh, he hasn't performed to his level, but the fact that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel are playing on another level once again, and the best Edmonton can do with is a nine and seven record in that division. Uh, it, it boggles the mind how you can have these two generational yeah. talents and you're still just, but, but my, my base, basically my, my point is like how you have a pair of generational talents and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and the best you can do after 16 games is a nine and seven record in that Pacific division I, I've, I'm at a loss of words. Like, how how as an analyst can you explain that? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with their goaltending. Um, like, Jack Campbell hasn't been good. But on the bright side, like, Stuart Skinner, um, he's been pretty good. Um, so, I, I imagine that – I don't know. Like, I know that they paid Jack Campbell a lot of money. But I think it's the, the clear – the clear answer is that you just have to ride the hot hand now and you have to like, and Stuart Skinner is the hot hand right now. So I, I imagine yeah. like, yeah, Jack Campbell had a couple of decent outings the last couple of games, but then he's just been too inconsistent. Um, and um, I know that Skinner is young and you don't want to like ruin his development, 
Um, but um, it's very clear that Skinner is better than Campbell at this very moment. So, um, it, 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 I, yeah. I totally get riding the hot end. It's it yeah. just it just screams to it just screams to the Oilers' ability to come up with the cap space to pay these guys. Yeah. And the wrong guys, uh, and I guess it's not a bad thing that guys like Stuart Skinner are are playing to their potential or even above that. Yeah. Joel up and deliver, and uh, I'm confident that Jack Campbell will do that. But uh, I I would imagine it's frustrating for the player and the fan base just to watch four goal, five goal, six goal against performances uh, cost your team. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I I, I heard you mentioning Dreisaitl as a generational talent. I mean, yeah, he is a really good player, uh, but um, I I would kind of like uh, pump the brakes on calling him a generational talent. Um, I know that I called Percheron a generational talent last week, but yeah, I think I think we should ease off on on calling like really yeah. really good players. I, I, I think generational. elite is a good term. Elite, elite okay. and generational, elite. like generational, is like a bubble elite. I would say. Fair, fair, fair. So um, have McDavid is the generational talent, and Drysdale is elite. Either way, yeah. very good talent. Yeah. That it's inexplicable how the best they can do after sixteen games with that duo. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. yeah, that, that, that's totally fair. I just, I just, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like we should uh, use that term very, yeah. um, rarely. Um, Speaking of generational talents, see, look at that segue. Uh, Sydney Crossman. Yeah, look at that. The Sydney Crossman team, right? And um, we're also yeah. talking about another generational talent in Alex Ovechkin's team in a little bit. Uh, but the reason why we're talking about them is because they're not doing. So, their teams are not doing so hot. Um, they um, yes, the uh, the Capitals did um, did beat the Leafs. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. I had this the opposite. So the Penguins beat the Leafs on Friday, um, and the Caps beat the Lightning on also on Friday, um, pretty handily too. But um, but they're still um, uh, sixth and seventh in their division, um, and it, it's getting to the point where it is a little concerning. Uh, for uh, we're going to start off with the Penguins. Um, they, uh, yeah, they started off hot off the gate, um, where they beat, uh, Arizona and, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, six to two, then they lose to Montreal, then they, but then they get back on track, they beat LA, they beat Columbus, then they go on a seven game losing streak. Um, this is where they mostly go to the West Coast, uh, where they lose to Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. Uh, then they go back to Boston. Um, they go back to Boston. They go to Boston. They lose there. Uh, then they lose at Buffalo. Then they um, lose to Seattle, which we'll probably eventually talk about pretty soon. They beat the aforementioned Washington team, and then they also just beat uh, Toronto, who we just talked about. Um, but then they lose to Montreal, and now you're all caught up. So <laughs> basically, just highlighted. The entire yeah, what is it with the Habs having the Pittsburgh Penguins number that yeah. 2020 bubble these two games? Yeah, it's crazy. Doesn't um, matter how good the Penguins are, the Habs just have that uh, yeah that elixir that that secret formula, and they just hold the Penguins in their traps. And just like you shall not pass, we get two points. Good night. Yeah, yeah. 
Having said all that, like, you know, when you look at the players' stats, um, it doesn't seem like this team is that bad of how I'm describing them. Uh, they, they're they 6-6-3. Six, six, and three. I guess I didn't uh, explain when they uh, lost in overtime, but yeah, they're 6-6-3. Six, six, and three. Um, But because, like, um, I mean, yeah, if you look at, like, you know, Tristan Jari's numbers, they're pretty bad. Um, he has a 900 save percentage and a 355 goals against average. But, on the other hand, Casey DeSmith, the backup, um, he has a 2.67 GAA and a save percentage of 916. Um, albeit, uh, Casey, oh, I guess, Casey DeSmith has played in six games um, and Jari has played in nine, so it's not too much of a difference. But, um, but yeah, if you look at the skaters, it's not like Crosby is slacking or Malkin is slacking. Um, even, like, Jason Zucker is doing well, too. Uh, Crosby has 16 points in 15 games. Malkin has 16 points in 15 games. Zucker has a point per game with 13 points in 13 games. Uh, Jake Gensel has 13 points in 11 games. Um, Ricardo Kell has uh, nine, nine points in 15 games, and now it's like, starts to get like, okay, these guys are actually kind of struggling. Uh, Brian Rust, uh, Chris Letang, and Jeff Carter all have eight points. Um, granted, Carter uh, has played in 12 games, whereas Brian Rust has played in 15, and Letang has played in 14. Um, and Letang hasn't even scored a goal yet, which is interesting too, but um, I could go down this whole list, but those are usually like the main guys that you would expect to have higher numbers. Um, anyways, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, we're going to be talking about Washington, but like I feel like of the, these two teams, I feel like I'm least worried about Pittsburgh um, just because like we like I, I would assume I would imagine like there is some things to look forward to. There are some things that I can see like okay like like Pittsburgh can probably figure it out Mike Sullivan's a good coach um and they have like a good roster um of of players it's just like you know they just are getting unlucky basically um also if you go to money puck and look at the playoff odds here um it's now going to be like my new favorite site I guess uh they give that Pittsburgh has 70.9 percent chance of making the playoffs um, so, uh, granted, like, you know, the you know, Carolina and New Jersey, um, are still on this, you know, are in this division, the Rangers as well. Um, so it's not going to be easy for Pittsburgh to make the playoffs, uh, just because of their division. And of course, you know, the Capitals are also in that division too. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, I, I feel like of, of all these teams, in, in the Metropolitan, I think Pittsburgh has the most experience other than arguably the Washington Capitals. So I, I, I feel like the, the Penguins will figure it out. But um, what do you say about this Penguins team? So what's interesting about their goaltending is last year DeSmith was struggling and Jer uh, Tristan Jerry was playing out of his mind. This year DeSmith has the better numbers and Tristan Jerry's goals against is way too high. Uh, and that, I think, is a big part of what's holding the Pittsburgh Penguins back. As soon as Tristan Jerry figures things out, the Pittsburgh Penguins will be better off for it, and I'm confident that he will do so. Uh, Jason Zucker, with 13 points in 13 games, this was one of the guys that we were looking at the past couple of years saying, 
then they need to get him going. And now they finally have. Uh, and he's also a plus six. I know Brett is very annoyed when I bring up the plus minus, <laughs> but uh, that means more often than not, he's on the right side of a goal scored. So uh, if you look at a guy and you're looking at a guy that's doing a lot of his damage at even strength, that's that's huge for Jason Zucker to be doing that. On top of that, uh, averaging 15, 18 per game. So not even 16 minutes, and he's a point-of-game player. That's huge for them. Jake Gensel, you mentioned the 13 points. Eight of those in 11 games are goals, which is good. Uh, and he's only taken 37 shots, which is 13 fewer than Ricard Raquel, who holds the team lead. Uh, Gensel's a shooting percentage, 21.6. If he keeps that up, the Penguins are in a good spot there. Crosby and Malkin, enough said. They're holding their end of the bargain. Um, ideally, um, they need to play a little bit better, but... I mean, for the most part, they've been doing well. Uh, Ricard Raquel, six goals, nine points in 15 games may seem small, but I think similar to what we saw with Sam Reinhardt and Timo Meyer earlier in the season, eventually I think he's going to get his game going. The uh, guys that concern me, the main one especially, is Brian Rust, who was, yeah. prior to signing that extension, a point-a-game player, eight points in 15 games, and a minus five rating seems a little bit low. He needs to get going. Uh, part of the reason why they did so well earlier in the season was because you had guys like Jeff Carter off to a hot start, Danton Heinen off to a hot start, Brock McGinn contributing as well. Casper uh, Kapanen, five points in 13 games, a bit too low for my liking. Uh, Jan Ruda is an offensive defenseman. I'll cut him some slack there. He's also a plus nine. So I think uh, all things considered, he's been doing all right. Um, most of Pittsburgh's help is going to have to come from within because uh, if you look at their cash base, they have, what, like five grand or something? Right. Like, not enough to really add to their offense or their defense or their goaltending. So they need to make sure that uh, whatever contributions they get, it comes from within because they can't really ask for an outside source unless it's for a significant trade, a huge cap dump, in which case... Maybe they offload Zucker now that he has a bit of value to his game. But for the most part, it's going to be up to Mike Sullivan and whether or not he can make the necessary lineup changes uh, to get this team back on track. The good news is he's done it many times before, injuries or not. Um, They gave him a new contract extension uh, before the season started. Uh, Three years left, uh, or one year left on his current deal, he gets an additional three years. That's how confident they are and Mike Sullivan's abilities to run this team. And I'm sure, once again, they'll be rewarded. And in due time, the Penguins will get uh, their footing back to where it needs to be. The one thing that did concern me, uh, after the 4-0-1 start, their power play started to sputter a little bit, uh, starting with that game against Seattle uh, and leading into that game against Toronto. So that's a span of six games. In five of those six games, not a single power play goal. And that definitely comes back to bite you after a while because I think a bread and butter of that Pittsburgh offense has got to be the power play. You have too much talent in Ricard Raquel, in Jake Gensel, in Sidney Crosby, in Evgeny Malkin, in Chris Latane. Uh, you have too much talent to be putting up bagels consistently every night on the power play. So um, hopefully... They're uh, getting off the schneid against Montreal, even in a loss, kind of helps. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I think they need to 
get more offense uh, beyond even strength. And the one thing that I will also say that contributes to their odds of making the playoffs is the fact that, for the most part, they're healthy, Brad. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the Washington Capitals. They have a lot of injuries and a lot of key injuries. For the most part, Pittsburgh has the pieces, and they're healthy, and they're playing games uh, on a nightly basis. So as long as they stay healthy, that's half the battle. They just need to produce. Yeah, I was actually about to, to mention that, but um, about, like, well, I, I think that's partially why I'm more worried about Washington um, yeah. than I am about Pittsburgh, just because of how many injuries Washington has um, compared to Pittsburgh. And what's, what's interesting is usually, like, Pittsburgh has a lot of injuries, but, yeah, I mean, I guess knock on wood that um, – they all remain healthy, but yeah, I guess that, that does help. Yeah, Pittsburgh has the eighth most goals in the league, so scoring's yeah. not a problem. The penalty kill and the goals yeah. against are, are what's holding Pittsburgh back, and I think a few minor adjustments uh, could do wonders for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think... So I, I think the Penguins will at least figure it out, um, and they can, like, you know, they might... Because it is a tough division, I'm not going there just yet on if they'll the, they're a lock for the playoffs but I I think they'll definitely make a push for it um and and I, I feel like their early struggles yeah it's an indicator that this isn't like a Stanley Cup team but I I think they're 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 better than what they've they've shown so far uh, do you think this team will turn it around um, and if not should they make any moves? Well, um, as we'll talk about uh, a couple of weeks down the road, when we, we usually talk about the American Thanksgiving yep. stuff, and we'll probably dissect the Metro Division in its entirety because there are a lot of teams uh, performing better or finally performing to their capabilities, looking at you, New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have teams like Philly, the Islanders in the mix as well. Uh, in the Atlantic Division, it's just as tight. Uh, so Pittsburgh's going to have their hands full. I think internally they have what it takes. Do they need to make moves? It depends on where they stand at the trade deadline. I'm not willing to say until I see what this team is doing in early January, perhaps. Uh, but overall, if you're asking me, is this team a playoff team? Yes, but I wouldn't put them above a wild card spot. Um, there, there are teams ahead of them that I think are going to stay ahead of them. Yep. Uh, but Pittsburgh is, until further notice, a good enough team to at least be in the hunt for the Stanley Cup. And uh, right. anything can happen when you're in the hunt. So Yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll at least say that they're a playoff team. And also, like, I'm, I'm just looking at the standings right now. It's like, it's just, like, it's weird seeing, like, I know that the Penguins and the Capitals haven't been as good. Like, we kind of had expected this to happen in a way, but it is weird looking at this where you're seeing, like, the Philadelphia Flyers are ahead of these teams. I mean, the Rangers, it's kind of expected. Uh, Carolina, of course, is also expected, too. But, like, the Islanders are second in the division. The New Jersey Devils are first in the division. They might, both of those teams might actually be for real. But it is, like, I I feel like both these teams are still better than the Flyers, at the very least. Um, So, um, so yeah, they they have that going for them. But Well, you um, look at the Buffalo Sabres. And they're seventh or they're sixth in goal score. They have fifty five goals to fifty two yeah. against. Like yeah. the Buffalo Sabres without Jack Eichel. 
Well, well, I, I'm, I'm talking. Living in. I'm talking about the metro division, but yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, but I, just to add to your point about like where the standings are, like anyone who thought Buffalo would be a top ten offensive team, like you're kicking. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just talking about the metropolitan though. Um, yeah. The um, yeah. So now we go to the Washington Capitals here. Um, yeah, like we mentioned, like we kind of already assumed that it would be tough for them because uh, Tom Wilson's out for uh, a little longer uh, than expected. He, he hasn't played since September. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom has a hip surgery. We may never see him again. Um, it's that serious. Uh, then you also have John Carlson gets injured like midway in October. Uh, he is back though on the ice, but um, it's definitely... Uh, it seems like he, um, who knows how, when he'll be a hundred percent. TJ Orloff's banged up as well. Yeah, Orloff's another one. TJ Oshie, Connor Brown. Yeah. Um, even yeah, this... Brown's lost for the year actually, so Brown oh, is a big a... loss as well. Okay, I don't, I don't see that here, but okay, I'll, yeah, I'll take your word. Four, four games, then he got hurt, and yeah. uh, he's out like six to eight months. And then um, even like someone named Beck Van Malenstein. Um, who's like a fourth liner, but he was actually decent when he when he played. Uh, he had two points in five games, but um, yeah. And then I guess I'm I guess I might as well read out all the other injuries that they have because uh, yeah. the only other one there's two other ones, and Cody Clark and Carl Haglin are the only other ones that are on this list too that we didn't mention. Um, so. So yeah, they they have a, that's a long list. That's basically like the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, as well, but um, yeah. So the um, the fact that, um, however, like I guess, like unlike the the Penguins, um, the Capitals, like when you look at their their stats, their stats, it's like it's decent. Like you know, Kemper's been good. That's a bright side. Uh, Nine twenty save percentage and a two point three five GAA. However, he is five and six. Um, uh, with one overtime loss, so he's five, six, and one, um, and he's been playing most of these starts, um, and so there's that. Uh, you have Ovechkin in the lead in points with 14 um, and eight goals, um, and then you have Dylan Strome with 12 points. Uh, Kuznetsov also has 12 points, um, and then like surprisingly, you have like this guy named Nick Jensen, who's a 32-year-old defenseman, um, clearly in place of uh, John Carlson, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy that he has nine points in 16 games. Uh, Connor Sherry, Anthony Mantha, um, have eight points. Uh, Marcus Johansson has seven points. I guess he's back in Washington. That's, that's crazy. Um, John Carlson, when he's been playing, he has seven points in 10 games. So that's good. Uh, six points, uh, for, in 16 games for Lars Eller. Um, the only other one that I wanted to mention was Sonny Milano, who they picked off of, uh, they claimed off of waivers. Um, actually, no, uh, he, uh, the, um, Calgary Flames refused, didn't sign him eventually. Yeah, they right? released him from his PTO yeah, and, then yeah. and then he signed with the Capitals. Yeah. With the Capitals yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he started playing now and he has four points in five and four games. So he's a point per game. Uh, they do play tonight, so we don't know. Like for all we know, they they could they, and they beat Tampa Bay last 
on Friday, as I mentioned before. So they um, and they play Tampa uh, tonight. So like for all we know, Tampa may also be like um, they may you know they may end up being good or whatever. But um, I guess I can do the same thing as I did for. Uh, the Penguins, where I just read out their schedule on, on their streaks. So they start off the season, they lo- lose to Boston and Toronto on back-to-back nights, uh, but then they beat Montreal and Vancouver uh, The next two in the next two games. They lose to your Ottawa Senators, then they beat L.A. and New Jersey, then they lose to Dallas, then they beat Nashville, and then they go on a four-game losing streak to Carolina, Vegas, Detroit, and Arizona. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, then they beat Edmonton. They lose to Pittsburgh, which we talked about a little bit. Um, and then they just beat Tampa Bay on Friday, and they play Tampa tonight. So um, you'll see, you'll know the results of that game before we do. Um, currently, that puts them, that, that makes them sevens and seven and two just ahead of Pittsburgh um, in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, they are in and then according to Money Puck, because of the fact that they've played like two more games than Pittsburgh has, uh, that means that they have 54.3% chance of making the playoffs. Um, whereas like the Penguins have a 70% chance. Um, so I assume that will change um, after tonight's game, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the uh, it's, it's, it's definitely... Um, you know, I, I think we knew that this was, this this year would be tough for them, at least at the early goings, when Tom Wilson um, isn't there. Um, and especially when, like, you know, Backstrom's not there um, for seemingly the whole year. Um, so we knew that that was going to be a big effect for this Washington Capitals team. Um, and then you never know with Darcy Kemper. But, like, it, it seems like just... You know, Kemper's been good. Um, he's been one of the bright spots of this Capitals team. Um, but I, I think the reason why the Capitals aren't doing as well as we thought they would be is just because they are, like, you know, just because of these injuries um, and things like that. And, like, I would have met, like, the bright hope is, is that, like, once you have Carlson come back to what we expect him to be and, like, recover... Um, I think the Capitals can get back on track. Um, and I can say the same thing about the Penguins, um, that are the same thing about the Capitals that I said about the Penguins, is that, like, you know, the Devils and the Islanders are the first two teams um, are the, you know, on the top of the Metropolitan. I doubt that last. And as good as, like, as, good as they've been, um, I do believe that both those teams are for real. Um, I don't think they're going to be 1-2 at the end of the year. Um, and also, uh, the Capitals are a better team than the Philadelphia Flyers. So, um, there's also that, too. So, um, I imagine that they'll, you know, it's arguable that they, they, they're they not as good as Carolina and the Rangers are. But I, I think they can definitely compete with Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, um, and New Jersey, and the Islanders um, in this division. Um, so... Um, I am more worried about them compared to the Penguins because I don't think like Dylan Strom is as good as Nicholas Backstrom is, um, and so I don't think like in the long term of things I feel like they're going to falter, um, and they probably you know that's probably going to start this year, um, but 
Uh, but I, 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 I don't think they're like going to be like Columbus um, in this division, where I, I still think that they're, they're going to be uh, a hard out um, in this division. So uh, I will say one thing about the Washington Capitals is uh, they're definitely getting a lot of looks at their special teams. They're top 10 in power play time. They're top 10 in power play chances. They're middle of the pack in power play goals scored. But, you know, if you're getting the power play chances, the goals will come. And that's definitely helping their offense. Um, however, they're showing a very common trait with uh, middle of the road teams. Uh, if you score more than three goals, you win basically every game you play. If you score two goals or less, you basically lose every single game you play. And in nine of the 16 games that they play, they've scored two or less. They've lost all of them going 0-7-2. Uh, and in the seven games that they got more than three goals, hey, would you look at that? Seven and zero. So um, that uh, if if you're relying on your offense, which is largely led by Alex Ovechkin and and Dylan Strome, you're going to need guys like Anthony Mantha to emerge from the fray as huge contributors, especially now that T.J. Oshie is out. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov is going to need to have a type of season that he had last year where he's racking up assists, putting up points, uh, power play points, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Darcy Kemper, the fact that uh, he's putting up those numbers despite uh, the average performance around him is good, and that definitely bodes well for their odds of winning. If he's holding up his end of the bargain and giving giving the Capitals a chance to win on a nightly basis, uh, that's half the battle if your goaltender is able to make those key stops. There have been a couple of suspect goals uh, in the past couple of weeks that I have seen, uh, but uh, outside of that, I think he's performed rather well. Um, but just in terms of the injuries, I think that's a lot to, to overcome and yeah. to, to be asked to continue to get power play chances. Eventually, uh, those contributions are going to fall off. Uh, the other thing is uh, I feel like uh, – here, Laviolette's message after a time is going to grow a bit stale. I have this vibe that this could be similar to his last half season in Nashville, where they just hit a major road bump. They can't get out of it. Nothing he does works, and that could be curtains for him. Um, yep. <laughs> and hey, wouldn't it be something if Barry Trotz came back? Long well, that would shot. Be funny. Yeah. It, that that would be funny if he did, and right. the Capitals were able to to turn their season around. The other thing that's uh, going in favor of the Washington Capitals is uh, they're not really uh, giving other teams too many chances to bury them with the extra man. They've taken 48 uh, penalties. They've gone shorthanded 48 times, I should say, uh, and they killed off 40 of those 48. So that's an 83.3 completion percentage in terms of penalties. Uh, so that's good. Uh, their, their penalty kill is at, is at least middle of the pack there. Um, but it, it, ultimately, if it comes down to one goal games, I just look at the Washington Capitals uh, and in the scoring leaders, I see a lot of minuses there. Anthony Mantha, minus six. Uh, Alice Ovechkin, minus 12. And granted, it gets a lot of ice time, but I still feel that's I, I feel that's too high for a guy of Ovechkin's caliber. And in previous seasons, it's, it's been a lot lower than that. So, um yeah, uh, I, there's no question they can compete with the Flyers, they can compete with the Islanders, with the Devils, all those teams you just mentioned, but that's a lot of teams to fight through and secure a playoff spot, and you also have 
the likes of, you know, Detroit in the mix, Boston being red hot, that opens the door for, you know, the likes of Florida and Tampa. And it means uh, most likely that there's going to be very little give and take there in the Atlantic division. And, you know, when the Sens start picking it up, well, here they come and they have uh, just about as much offense, uh, I would argue, maybe a bit more than Washington does. So, I mean, they're going to be competitive. They're not going to be Columbus bad. But if if you have to pick one of the two to, to miss the playoffs, I'd probably pick the Caps here. Yeah. And in fact, I said at the beginning of the year that they weren't going to make it, largely because of the injuries. And right. I stand by that statement. Yeah, I mean, even with that, like, even if Backstrom was healthy and Tom Wilson was healthy, I feel like we were we, – it's like tough for them to even make the playoffs to begin with because like i think yes yeah no you're not wrong i would have i would have said they're on the fence yeah. playoff team wild card at best yeah those guys fully healthy. and it's like you know it's not to really take anything away from them but i i think like we we even mentioned this about the penguins too it's just that it's so tough because these two teams and i mean we include the bruins in this as well but um these these two teams um, have been good for two decades now, um, and largely because of Crosby, and largely because of Ovechkin and Backstrom and Malkin and Latang and Carlson, and you know you can go down the list basically. But, um, but, um, but like yeah, I, I think it's just like a, a lot of the reason why both these two teams are struggling is like they don't because they been good for so long that means that they've been trading first round picks a lot or they have a weaker farm system because they're trading prospects yep. a lot um so so they don't Limited have that cap space as well yeah. even with all of that money on LTIR yeah. the caps really don't have any room to yeah. do much of anything in terms of adding pieces right and they don't have the luxury that like let's say Minnesota or Columbus even has like, like just like just having like a deep prospect pool um, where you can yeah. just take guys and like you know fill in guys uh, when when they're injured, um, like like some teams that have a pretty rich prospect pool uh, do. So I, I think it just comes with the territory, and it's just something that's like okay, like yeah, the Penguins. Although on the other hand, it's like you know, like the I don't even know if like the Penguins missed out on any prospect that they drafted that's doing well. Um, on another team. I mean, same can be said for Washington. I guess, like, Daniel Sprong, but he's, like, a fourth-liner in Seattle. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I, I can't even think of, like, oh, uh, yeah, there, there's not really, like, anyone that they really missed out on, but they definitely have, like, traded first-round picks just because the, to widen their window um, even more, but like, yeah, I think the, the, the reason why they are struggling right now is largely due to the fact that they, um, they don't have a wide prospect pool and, you know, it, it helps because they've, they've won the cup and they've been a playoff contender for two decades. So you, you wouldn't trade that for the world, but yeah, it just, it just comes with a price and now they're paying for it. The one thing I will say about the Washington Capitals, if, <laughs> I, not to look into next season already, but I noticed they have a lot of expiring contracts. I don't know if you noticed this, Brad. Yeah. The only defenseman under contract beyond this year uh, is John Carlson. Yep. Uh, even Dmitry Orlov is a free agent. Nick Jensen, who has had good underlying statistics, he's a free agent as well. 
Um, you have a lot of depth defensemen that are either UFAs or RFAs once this season is done. Uh, you have uh, another year left of Tom Wilson beyond this one. Uh, you have two more years of TJ Oshie beyond this one. Uh, you look at uh, names like Lars Eller, Dylan Strome, Garnet Hathaway, Connor Sheary, they're on expiring contracts. Same with Marcus Johansson, Nico Bay Kubel, who suspended three games. Uh, Sonny Milano, you mentioned uh, signing to that very cheap cap friendly deal uh, because you basically have no money to spend. Um, they do have a little bit of cap space to work with, but I mean, you look at the aging court taking up most of that cap. Uh, even still, that cap space can be deceiving once again into the offseason. And you realize, yeah, this looks like a lot of money, but there's a lot of spaces we need to fill. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I also, I, like, I kind of had thought that, like, maybe Connor McMichael makes, makes the next step or even Hendrix Lapierre makes the next step. Um uh, because especially when you don't have a guy like Backstrom, you you expect your top prospects to, like those are like the only two good prospects that the uh, Capitals have, um, and they haven't. Um, I, I mean, I, now I'm looking here. Lapierre has eight points in eleven games, and I guess McMichael is in the NHL now. So, uh, so, so there's that. But um, but yeah, I I I I feel like if the if the capitals are going to get out of this it is going to be because Connor mcmichael um takes the next step or even you know they call up lapierre or alexiev um and uh and they start to do well um oh okay. well, just taking a look at uh at the stats and we mentioned all of the injured names uh yeah Connor brown out six to eight months and yeah and and that and the the players that like uh, Connor Brown was projected to be a top six member, a valuable contributor to that top line, in fact. And now you don't even have him to work with. Um, so, you know, you're putting someone that's normally in a uh, fringe second line, third line role right into right. the top line. They don't always respond like you hope they will. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the young guys and the amount of ice time they received, Alexiev has only played one game this year, shockingly. Not a point scored in that one game. Yep. Uh, Connor McMichael has played in four games thus far. Once again, zero points. And uh, Martin Ferhaveri uh, has uh, played in 16 games uh, to help out their back end. Unfortunately, he only has two assists to show for it. And he's averaging uh, just over 20 minutes uh, of ice time there. But uh, so. he doesn't really count, though, because he played 79 games last year. And uh, he also played... Yeah, that is a fair point, actually. Yeah. Which which makes it even worse. Uh, and uh, Protoss, uh, one of their uh, young players, again, 16 games played for him so far this year. Only three goals and one assist to show for uh, his efforts as well. So yeah, uh, again, another young guy that they're expecting high things of as well. The thing I'm just confused about now that I'm looking into it now. Uh, so I guess it makes sense for Hendrik Lapierre to just stay in Hershey for a bit uh, as he develops, and he can work. You know, he can have more ice time. Uh, but Connor McMichael, he's only played four games in Washington. He hasn't played any games in Hershey. Um, so I would imagine either he's injured or he's healthy scratch most nights, which doesn't make sense to me at all. Because then it's like, what? Like, he's one of your best prospects. 
why are you like even like giving him third line minutes uh, would be enough. And if if you're not going to use him, then like what makes it worse is if he's not playing at all. So um, so I don't get that. But oh, okay, he I guess uh, according to Daily Faceoff, he's on the third line um, as a left winger. But I don't know. I I feel like just playing four games. Um, is not great. Or eight minutes of average ice time. Um, that's not great. But anyways. Yeah, just just taking a look actually at Hershey's stats. Lapierre is second in team scoring with yeah. 10 points in uh, 12 games, I think you mentioned. Uh, but another young player that's caught my attention on their prospect system, Henrik Bjorkstrom. Uh, oh. He's been uh, around the league, uh, bounced around uh, from team yeah. to team. Uh, the Capitals have him in the liners. And with Hershey in 11 games... He has two goals, two assists, and he's a minus four. So yep. uh, even the young, some of the young guys are struggling a little bit in Hershey offensive wise. So yeah, uh, again, you're like Pittsburgh. You're gonna have to rely on guys from within to pitch in, and if the guys from within are struggling, well, uh, that that doesn't help things. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, do you, so I I think we're both on the same page that. Uh, the Penguins will probably have a playoff push. Um, the Capitals will also have a playoff push, but they're probably not making the playoffs just because yeah. they also the, have injuries. The Penguins to will, in my eyes, are nothing more than a wild card team, but they will be good enough to sneak yep. in. As for the Capitals, they'll be competitive and right. they'll give a valiant effort, but they'll come up short and they'll miss the playoffs. Um, and then I, I guess I should ask the same question about the Capitals that I did for the Penguins. Do you think they will make, or do they need to make any moves? Um, well, I don't know if they can make any moves. I think the one move that they might make is a coaching change. I don't know who comes in. But at some point between now and the end of the season, I think Laviolette is going to be replaced. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like – I don't know if that, That's the one thing I can see happening because I think he's on the last year of his current contract anyway. Something like so, that, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he'll be, like, the, the first coach fired, but, yeah, maybe there's a yeah. decent chance. He, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be one of a handful of coaches fired at some point yeah, yeah. this season. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah. We'll see. Um, okay, um, that's, um, oh, I, I guess I should mention just because we, we devoted a half our episode last week on this, but, uh, the Bruins, uh, went back on the contract of Mitchell Miller. Uh, they said yeah. that they're, uh, they're rescinding it, although technically, uh, like, it's, like it's, it seems to be up in the air because technically Miller, it's not like what uh, the Coyotes did because the Coyotes hadn't assigned him to an ELC. So like you can't just like terminate a contract like that. Um, But I, it appears that I think like what the Bruins will do is they'll probably just buy him out when the buyout window starts, which will be, um, you know, in the, in the summer the next year. And I, um, uh, again, I said this when the incident happened two years ago. I hope we never get to hear Mitchell Miller's name again. I hope, like, ten years down the line, someone says, like, oh, Mitchell Miller, right? And then I'll be like, wait, who's who's Mitchell Miller? Um, I d- never want to hear this person's name again. So, particularly when the victim actually spoke out um, and said that, yeah, he uh, Mitchell Miller, like, he did, like, 
he texted him like two weeks before this whole news story came out um and it, he like he was still bullying him even in his apology so um and and yeah and he was basically saying that it, he um it made his life a living hell and he's like 20 years old he doesn't feel like he had the gall to text him but not yeah. to apologize to his right. face that's and, it, and, it, and it, yeah exactly and it was like very like yeah, and we we even said this last week it's like any amount of apology it's like too late because it's like any amount of apology is clearly just because he wants to be in the nhl um so you know i do believe in second chances but um but the nhl that doesn't mean that you should play in the second the nhl um so yeah anyways um i hope i never get to hear that person's name in my my life but i figured i should mention it so that uh, it's like we're we're not ignoring it and, and all that stuff. Um, okay, uh, yeah, that about does it for us here on um, Lace Them Up. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast um, at Lace Them Up. Um, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Elsworth. We'll talk again in episode 343 of the Lace Up Podcast.